0: Well folks, we finally made it. Super Bowl Sunday is right around the corner. But if you think that's the only sports news we have to talk about, you'd be crazy. A lot went down over the past week with the NBA trade deadline, Auburn losing, and a certain scandal coming back into fruition. But we're here to break it all down. I'm Liam Griffin. Anthony Vasquez, it is a pleasure to have you on.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on, Leon. This is my debut, I like it.
0: Big time debut. Like we talked about, we have quite a bit to get to. But we don't begin with the Super Bowl. We begin today with some news that broke out on Thursday after rumors floating around left and right about whether or not James Harden wanted out of Brooklyn. He did. He's gone. The Brooklyn net for about a year got his way out of the borough of Brooklyn to the city of Philadelphia in exchange for a package surrounding Ben Simmons. More on him later. But I want to focus on the Sixers and James Harden first. I have a lot to say about it, so I'm curious to hear what do you think? Can Philadelphia win a title now?
1: I think they definitely can. Bottom line, James Harden and Joel Embiid, you know, that, that's a championship roster at the end of the day. And you know, I, I said it from the beginning, Kevin Durant and James Harden was a championship roster. And now with Joel Embiid and James Harden, I think they're gonna be perfect.
0: I disagree wholeheartedly. I disagree wholeheartedly. You know <laughs>
1: why
0: is that, my friend? Oh, oh, okay. You ready? So over the past, you know, few years, we have this revolving door of James Harden getting paired up with a new superstar player. Dwight Howard didn't go well. I know part of it was because of Dwight, you know, completely falling off. But still, I rest my case. Chris Paul. That team was a healthy hamstring away from going to and potentially winning the NBA Finals. And after they try to bring in Carmelo, doesn't work out. It happens. James Harden gets all meh about it and essentially forces Chris Paul out of Houston for Russell Westbrook. And they both hate each other so much that they both leave Houston. And then James Harden pairs up with his old OKC teammate, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, arguably the most toxic player in basketball right now, and then, they only play 16 games together, yet that was enough for them to get sick of each other. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you have to think, Anthony, what's going to happen with Harden and Joel Embiid when it's down to, you know, the last five seconds of, you know, the game is on the... Philly's down 3-2 in a series against Milwaukee. You're down by one. Who's taking the last shot? Harden or Embiid? It's going to come to the point where it's going to fuel up so much that I have a hard time thinking one of them isn't going to want their want to walk out of Philly just because of what we've seen with Harden over the last few years.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think it's a different situation here because the toxicity level is just not non-existent with Joel and Beat. I mean, Joel poor Joel and Beat's dying to play with the second star. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, you saw him; he was so angry when Ben Simmons basically didn't show up because his coach called him out essentially. So I think Joel Embiid can play with the second star, and I really can't wait to see how it'll turn out with Harden. With Harden, he played with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook's one of the—he's not toxic off the court. He's toxic on the court, so he's pushed out of the way. And then with Kyrie Irving, what is up with that? I don't blame James Harden for being mad at that. I honestly from the start said Kyrie Irving should have been traded for role players. And Kevin Durant and James Harden could take the Nets to a championship. Obviously, Brooklyn didn't listen to me, and now they're in the spot with Ben Simmons. But I honestly think Joel Embiid and James Harden can't contend for the East.
0: Okay, one thing I will say about Joel Embiid playing with a superstar. He did. Three short years ago. And his name is Jimmy Butler. And I understand that they lost that series off of Kawhi hitting one of the most ridiculous shots in the history of basketball. But! The fact of the matter is, is that the Philadelphia 76ers only put up 90 points in that game. That doesn't win you a lot of basketball games. So, for you to say we haven't seen Joel B play with a superstar, that's not true. Then again, I think James Harden is on another level compared to Jimmy Butler.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I honestly, once again, said it, for, said it again. You know, I, Jimmy Butler should have been on the 76ers in the long term. I don't know why they let him go. I would have taken Jimmy Butler over Ben Simmons then. And once again, I said it back in my trade analysis a few years or few years ago. I thought the Sixers should have had to choose between an Embiid or Ben Simmons. Now, with hindsight, you choose Joel Embiid right now. But back then, I said you pick Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, and you pair them up with Jimmy Butler. That's a Finals team too. You have the guard, you have the big man combo, and I can't wait to see what Embiid does with a second superstar that will hopefully be around long-term. I don't know what Harden's going to re-sign. He'll probably, re- probably test the free agent waters, but, you know, I, I'm i buying Philadelphia right
0: now. By the way, KD picking Harden last – or KD passing on Harden in the all-star draft until that's last. <laughs> that was fantastic.
1: That was hilarious. I, I appreciate LeBron, though, for playing Troll and leaving James Harden last, right. making a pick Rudy Gobert. And the funny thing was KD was trying to, like, like what do you call it, be an analyst – and try to justify, but we, oh, all, yeah. we all know what's going on. I laughed, and he said, "Oh, I need big men. I, this will be really helpful." <laughs> I mean, I'm calling cap on that.
0: I mean, when you, I mean, to be fair, when you're facing LeBron and Giannis on the same team, there's a little bit of. All right, but that's besides the point. Moving on to the other side of that deal, Ben Simmons, after essentially demanding his way out of Brook- out of Philly, excuse me, ends up in Brooklyn. New set for him, but. You know, it's going to be a while before he plays, we think. I'm just curious, does this trade make Brooklyn any better?
1: Absolutely not. Right when I saw the trade, I said Brooklyn lost this deal. Ben Simmons hasn't played all year. When he does come back, who's to say he's a better shooter? He's not going to be a better shooter. Is he in shape? I don't know. We don't know right now. And Doc Rivers said at the end of uh, last postseason, is Ben Simmons a championship point guard? He said, I don't know. And right now, we still don't know. So I'm not buying That's Brooklyn at all. I feel bad for Kevin Durant. And I feel honestly, I feel bad for Kyrie Irving. I just oh, I just don't like
0: it. You really feel bad for Kyrie.
1: I feel bad for Kyrie on the court. Off the court and all that stuff. I don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you. But here's the thing The Brooklyn Nets are probably not going to play Ben Simmons at the point guard. They have that. His name is Kyrie. Now, For half the time. Yeah, exactly. For half the time. <laughs> Unless, you know, they agree to pay a fine for every game he plays and – or if COVID cases continue to decline as they have been, if New York City eventually changes its rules regarding vaccines, which, you know, could happen within the next, I don't know, year. I mean, we're all – sucks that they have to
1: bank on that, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah uh,
0: exactly. You can't bank on that. This is all hypothetical. You know, they're – Given the unpredictable nature of this pandemic, there could be a new super variant that comes up that shuts down sports. Exactly. That shuts down sports altogether again. Now, knock on wood, that doesn't happen, but you never know. You never know. Now, in terms of Philly, I mean, Ben Simmons, I mean, unless the shooting is better, I think you know exactly what you're going to get on him. I mean, the image of him passing up on a wide open dunk still is very fresh in my head. But, I, I do want to say this, though. Ben Simmons was as good as bullied by the Philadelphia 76ers fan base. Not all Sixers fans. Like, I know a few Sixers fans. Braden Reed, Leo Silverman, Michael Oshawski, to name a few. I mean, but some of those true toxic Philadelphians straight up bullied Ben Simmons. And I'm not going to sit here and say that that singular play was good. I mean, it was one of the worst plays I've ever seen on sports. But with that in mind, mental health matters. And I hope that we can learn from this because, and it's like Kyrie saying he encountered racism incidents in Boston. I hope we can learn from this so we sort of stop treating pro athletes like they're. Our toys, for the lack of a better term. And again, I'll say it again, Kyrie Irving ruined the development of Tatum and Brown for a year. Ben Simmons made one of the worst plays I've ever seen. But at the same time, does that give you a right to be racist towards one guy? To bully another guy? Absolutely not. And I think that we as sports fans can all take a lesson from it.
1: No, I, and I think it, it's pretty unfortunate that, you know, they could treat it as, you know, people who don't have feelings, like robots, essentially. Um, you know, another Boston incident with Adam Jones in the outfield. Yeah, yeah. With the Reds, with Red Sox fans yelling at him. And, you know, it, it's really sad. But, um, you know, I agree. I think this is something, you know, we can all learn from and, you know, realize and it's mental health is starting to become a prominent issue in sports. We're seeing with Naomi Osaka – you know, Calvin Ridley Circuit. Huh? Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that's right. Calvin Ridley stepping away from the Falcons. So, you know, hopefully, yeah, we could learn from this as well.
0: And I hope we all continue to learn from it even as this sort of even as this sort of saga comes to a close. I hope we can continue to take lessons from it for a long time. Alright, moving into the college basketball world. Tuesday night saw one of the biggest upsets of the college basketball season. Woo pig Zoe? Arkansas taking down the top-ranked Auburn Tigers. The curse of number one lives on. And, Anthony, this is the first college basketball season in a long time where I feel like there's no true top number one. I can make a case for six, seven, eight teams to be the number one team right now.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And I'm not really too much selling my stock on Auburn too much. You know, the the game at Georgia was a classic, you know, trap game. 9 a.m. game, Georgia's eight games under 500 one win in the SEC, I think. That was a classic trap game. But the Arkansas game was pretty shocking to me. And I hope Bruce Pearl, Pearl and Auburn use this as a wake-up moment because I'm sure Auburn was thinking, you know, they're on top of the world, number one in the country, one loss in the SEC, beating Kentucky. You know, I hope this could be a wake-up moment for them, and I hope they could build off
0: of that. Okay, I'm actually going to give Auburn a little bit of – you know, relieved because Arkansas is a good team. They deserve – they should have been a top 25 team in last week's polls. They are well, – Oh, they're going to be a top They're going to be a top team. 25 yeah, team yeah. now, but they were number 27 in last week's poll. That's right. Xavier's 25, Wyoming is 26. And since UConn lost to Xavier tonight, I have UConn a hard – UConn
1: will probably get shipped UConn out. will probably get – St. Mary's will probably get shipped out. Did
0: St. Mary's lose?
1: Yeah, they lost to – oh, let me see. I was laughing at this. They oh, lost yeah. to – They lost yeah, to Santa, Santa Clara, Clara Tuesday night. The yeah.
0: Bronx. <laughs> and considering you're a California guy, that's all—that's right up your alley. Yeah,
1: right. I'm a West Coast Pac-12 analyst here. <laughs>
0: of course. All right, now, Arkansas, yeah, they'll move up into the top 25. They're a good team. We haven't been giving them the credit they deserve. People forget they made a run to the Elite Eight last year mm-hmm. and just ran into the juggernaut that was the Baylor Bears. Now, for Auburn, the fact of the matter is, is that when you look at that roster, the name Jabari Smith is printed out in bold letters and humiliate immediately think to yourself, they're fine. Yeah, they lost to a good Arkansas team. But is and this any... Is it was is close. This it any, was at
1: Arkansas. It was it's, tough, it's a tough game. Like Ark that, that is a game that Arkansas would circle on their schedule. Yeah. And, and it's it's tough to win those
0: games. Yeah. And you know, there's no reason to panic. I mean, I'm sorry to all my friends back in Texas, but Auburn is going to annihilate A and M. They star. Yeah, play at, I'm
1: looking at their schedule. They play, play at even you know, on Saturday. The games.
0: They're going to annihilate a And They'll
1: probably be favored the rest of the season. Oh, at Tennessee is their toughest game, but other than that, they should be favored handling the rest of the
0: year. Especially when you take into consideration that the Texas a And M Aggies are completely reeling. I mean, I think they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six. They've lost seven in a row. Yeah. So they really started 15 and two and are now 15 and nine. Holy cow. All right, well, enough, enough SEC talk. Let's move into the realm of baseball where Rob Manford's... Okay, a little bit of background. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report Thursday. Rob Manford held a press conference in Florida Thursday. Basically said, we don't plan on delaying spring training right now. Losing games would be a nightmare situation, at least... That's one thing he's got going for him. That's the one smart thing that's ever come out of his mouth. There will be a universal DH. Not a fan. Un unpopular opinion, I know. I, I agree but, with you. I'm not a fan. I'm a
1: National League
0: guy. Oh, oh yeah, fan, you National are. Dodgers. I love when the I up. love it when the- Zach Greinke and Degrom and right. Only Bartolo Colon with that famous home run.
1: I love it when AL pitchers visit Dodger Stadium and have to go up there with the bat and a helmet that's two sizes too big and just up there swinging it.
0: No, oh, against yeah. against Kershaw or Bueller too. All right. Yeah. And then the last thing is that Manfred said there's no plan to push back spring training. The league is going to bring in a counter proposal on Saturday. Am I wrong in thinking that seems like a pipe dream in terms of wishful thinking?
1: Well, I mean. He said even spring training won't be delayed. I assume he means games. There's no way, um, they're going to get any type of deal done on Saturday. They're probably not going to get it done next week. I, what I do find interesting is what Rob Manfred says that losing games would be tragic. I forgot what the exact word was, but it'd be tragic or devastating. Um, you know, I, I'm excited about that. You know, it shows that MLB, at least on the PR side, wants to get a deal done. Now, I mean, you can argue that. I mean, do they really want to get a deal done on the inside? Probably not. They're probably going to wait out the players. But, um, no, I'm I'm like you said, one of the first times that I agree with Rob Manfred, and I'm actually hyped about what he said.
0: The tr- and, you know, the funny thing is about that is that I've been saying it for months, you know, especially given the revenue loss from the 60 games 2020 season. They cannot afford to lose anything, especially since, truth be told, I think ticket sales are going to be up a little bit from last year because, you know, people are, I mean, there's not as much, or I don't think there'll be as much pandemic fear as there was last summer. I mean, and I could be totally wrong, like we were talking about earlier with the whole Kyrie thing, there could be another super variant that keeps fans out of the ballpark entirely. Hopefully that's not the case, knock on wood. But... Yeah, the game is growing, and it would be tragic if MLB were to lose games because there's nothing like the six-month excitement of a 162-game season. There's nothing for me like driving home from work and listening to Joe Kastig, Will Fleming, you know. Shout-out Joe Kastig, to Syracuse guys, and listening to Brian Barrett do the Red Sox post-game show too. By the way, he followed me back on Twitter today, and I was – I was hyped. I love listening to him <laughs> late nights when I'm home in New England. He's fantastic. But yeah, uh,
1: well, yeah, I mean, hey, we got we got our guys too. Joe Davis, Dodgers. Charlie he, Steiner. We we got our guys. Who are your radio Vince guys? Scott. Who are your radio yeah, guys?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is Vince? I thought Vince Golly retired.
1: No, no, he retired. Our I mean, radio guys, Charlie Steiner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Steiner and Tim Never used to do Pirates. Games.
0: Also, Dave O'Brien, fellow Syracuse alum. Does a lot of Syracuse basketball games, too.
1: Yeah, ACC Network, right?
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, I know All that. All right. It's time to move on to a topic that I am that I have a few choice words about, but for the sake of keeping it PG, I'm not going to say them. Earlier this week, reports came out that the National Football League potentially, but did, over-exaggerated deflate case. Now you know I have strong feelings. You probably already know about I have strong feelings about this. So let's start with you, Anthony.
1: Well, I, I think it was interesting. I, I, you know, I do find it funny that when Tom Brady retires, they released it. I'm sure they were waiting for it. I mean, they're not going to say it in the game. You know, right when he's still playing, but um, you know, I, I think it was a Roger Goodell optics thing <laughs> that they didn't they didn't want to admit that they were wrong right then and there when Tom Brady was still playing. Um, you know, the NFL was really pushing for Tom Brady to get suspended so much so that it actually went through, like, the legal court system. It almost, went to, the, it almost
0: went to the Supreme Court.
1: Yeah, it all, I've never seen that with any type of sport, a four-game sports suspension. But, um, no, I mean, it, I'm sure the NFL tried to, you know, beef it up a bit to make their argument if it did go to, like, the Supreme Court work. Um, you know, the NFL and Roger Goodell look really, really bad. If Tom I think Brady, they, they do look really bad. Yeah, if Tom Brady either reverse the suspension or prove Goodell wrong in some way.
0: Uh, I'm trying to keep this PG because <laughs> I could go on and on cursing Roger Goodell out if I really wanted to. The fact that Roger Goodell has the audacity, and that or the NFL had the audacity to try and overplay this when a lot of Patriots fans and even non-Patriots fans saw right through it. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind Rob Manford is the worst commissioner in all sports, but, man, Roger Goodell sets a high bar, dude. I mean, there's a reason year in and year out he gets booed every single time he walks on that stage. I don't know if you've seen the meme, but it's like Roger Goodell walking up on stage And in all caps and quotes, every single person in attendance is going to get $1 million, and then fans are still booing him just because he's Roger Goodell. I mean, if you want to call Brady a cheater, then, you know, more power to you. You're just just going to look like an idiot. If you want to call Belichick a cheater, all right, you have Spygate to back that up, but I don't want to hear...
1: For Tom Brady, it was one thing... Well the weather was terrible. It was twenty degrees. I forget it was rainy, and, it was and we have all weather. People, it was one game. I also
0: know this very well living in the northeast and because I had to spend the money before I came back to Syracuse to get my tires filled with pressure because that's what happens in cold weather. It happened with the footballs, it happened with my tires. There is oh, yeah. there's science behind it. Okay. <laughs> Enough enough out enough out of me. I know you're probably sick of it by now. All right. Moving on briefly to the NFL honors. Rodgers wins MVP. Cooper Cup wins Opoy. TJ Watt finally wins Depoy. Yeah. Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, Rookies of the Year. Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year. Mike Vrabel, head coach of the year, was the one that surprised me.
1: Um he, Mike Vrabel's a good coach. He's a great um, coach, but I think with coach of the year, it's really a revolving door. With all these awards, it really is a revolving door. You know, everyone takes turns, in in my opinion. You know, the the AP voters don't want to give it to the same person every single year. If they did, Belichick will have a lot more uh, coach of the years. McVay would have a lot more coach of the years. But, you know, I, I think Mike Vrabel does a good job with this team. I think the Tennessee Titans, with the way they're built, have a ceiling. And Vrabel's able to, you know, at least reach the ceiling every single time. It, it's hard to win games with Ryan Tannehill, bottom line. <sighs> we saw it against the Bengals. They were playing scared. They were playing conservative. And, I mean, look, looking back on what happened, I know why.
0: Yeah, and I, I Brady should have won MVP. I mean, he has the stats mm-hmm. to back it up. I mean, and especially with the whole, I don't want to bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up. The whole I've been immunized thing is <sighs> – About as bad of a look as a professional athlete can have. It doesn't even matter if you're anti-vax, if you're pro-vax or anti-vax. I mean, the fact that you lied, dude. Come on now. And, you know, as much as I would have loved to see Mac Jones win Offensive Rookie of the Year, I mean, there was no denying Jamar Chase was the clear winner. Micah Parsons had a clean day for Defensive Player of the Year. That's how good of a rookie season he had. Cooper Cup just had a record, had a historical season. No one more deserving of OPOY. T.J. Watt tying Michael Strahan, I mean, I, w- I wish he would have broken the record because I would rather see it with him than with a New York Giant. And that's nothing to do with Michael Strahan's personality. It's just for the fact that he's a Giant.
1: What is your opinion, though, on having that extra game and having records count? Because I remember T.J. Watt and the Steelers. T.J. Watt played
0: Watt. two fewer games is the thing. Okay. Okay, but. but
1: you know, well, Cooper Cup didn't play two fewer games, and he almost broke Calvin Johnson's right? Yeah, so he I'm did. So I'm wondering, like, so there
0: has to be an asterisk on this. It, Unless he can break it in 16, unless, I'm just going to, th- let's go with Justin Jefferson. If Justin Jefferson breaks Calvin Johnson's receiving record in 16 games or fewer, then all power to him. But if, yeah, it's 7, but if it's 17, then I'm putting that asterisk on it like it's the 2017 Astros. Sorry to bring that <laughs> up, by asterisk. the way. I'm
1: putting double asterisk. Sorry to bring
0: that. that up, by the way, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, with that, we move into the history lesson where we honor some great achievements of the past in the coming week. 40 years ago today, February 12th, hockey's GOAT, Wayne Gretzky, broke the single-season record for points in a single season with 153. He broke that mark eight more times. Gretzky holds nine of the 11 highest single-season point totals, with Lemieux holding the other two. Uh,
1: Yeah, 27 years ago, on Monday, February 14th, the Trailblazers weren't in the Valentine's Day spirit as they shipped Clyde Drexler to the Rockets. It ended up helping Houston immensely as Drexler helped them repeat as champions. So a little bit NBA trade deadline.
0: Yeah, funny enough. And uh, I'll go on the record saying if Michael Jordan hadn't retired, the Rockets would never have won those championships. However, <laughs> I give them credit where credit is due. I mean, that that 95 team in particular with Hakeem, Drexler, Mario Ellie, Big Shot Bob, Bob Horry, quite a team. All right. Well, Clyde
1: Drexler, Clyde Drexler was a freak, though.
0: Oh, yeah. The so 5,
1: five a houston
0: teams. He, oh, my God. Him, he, and, him and Akimo Ajwan back in the 80s, then a decade later, they get back together, let alone in the yeah, same exact city. <laughs> well, 17 years ago, Wednesday, February 16th, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman canceled the 0405 season. It marked the first instance a North American professional sports team was canceled due to a labor dispute. We can only hope that doesn't happen with the MLB.
1: We can only happen. Hopefully history doesn't repeat itself with the MLB. No kidding. Um, 36 years ago today, on February 18th, a Friday, Spurs guard Alvin Robertson did something that's only been done four times in NBA history, record a quadruple-double. He had 20 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, and add on to that, 10 steals. Only Nate Thurman, Hakeem Olajuwon, and David Robinson have also achieved that oh-so-rare
0: feat. One thing we can't omit with that, though, Russell Westbrook with the unofficial quadruple-double of points, rebounds, assists, and turnovers
1: yeah Russell West broke the stat stuffer
0: absolutely all right stuff in
1: the stuff in the stats
0: okay with that it is time to preview the big game Super Bowl 56 is right around the corner so here's what we're gonna do I've divided the teams into five. actually you know what I'm gonna make it six groups now that I think about it because I'm omitting one we'll break down each group for each team and then at the end we'll give you our predictions for the big game all right I this is the one I omitted we'll start with that the special teams. Evan McPherson is has ice in his veins for the Ram- Bengals. Matt Gay has been a solid kicker for the Rams. Johnny Hecker is probably the best punter in the league. And Kevin Huber isn't too shabby either.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this this game will probably come down to special teams. The margin, you know, you can only say all you want about the Rams' talent, but it's the Super Bowl. The margin the is going to be razor thin. doesn't matter if it's the Lions playing the Super Bowl or the Rams playing the Super Bowl. Something about, you know, the big game. It has it makes this game close so I mean special teams who has the edge nobody really Evan McPherson He just said ice in his veins if he's going to come out for a game-winning field goal it wouldn't surprise me if he tells Joe Burrow well I guess we're Super Bowl champions now um I would say if I have to give you know gun in my head I gotta give an edge I'd give it to the Bengals um I forget their punt returner's name I think it's something Taylor um he'll be he'll be electric um and uh Matt Gay has been a little shaky in the play. I remember he missed he, was he missed short, a field like goal a in the NFC title yarder. game.
0: Sorry? He missed a field goal in the NFC title game, I'm pretty sure.
1: Mhm. And I think he was short like on a 40 something yarder against the Bucks too.
0: Yep, yep, he was. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a make. I was like, "Wait, he was short?" Yeah. So, I I'd have to give it to the Bengals, but like it's razor thin. Yeah.
0: I agree. I think the Bengals have the edge with the special teams, but like you said, it's It's a razor-thin margin, and the game very well could come down to it. And having good special teams is very important. Just ask the Green Bay Packers. Now, in terms of punter comparison, I think I give the answer to the Rams just because Hecker has the name brand. But the gap between McPherson and Gay is a little larger than the gap between Hecker and Huber, which Mm -hmm. is why I'm taking the Bengals. And, you know, like you said, if it comes down to the point where Evan McPherson is going to have to kick a game-winning field goal, There's no doubt in my mind McPherson is going to say that to Joe Burrow. He's going to come straight
1: now with all sorts of confidence.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's why you draft a kicker, the Cincinnati Bengals Twitter feed has been saying.
1: That's why you draft the right kicker. Roberto Aguayo fans, cover
0: your ears. Oh, well, Cody Parkey and Zane Gonzalez are two other names that come to mind. (laughs) All right, moving into the front seven. I mean, particularly with the Rams, dude. Donald, Floyd, Miller, to name a few. Then on the Bengals' side, guys like Hendrickson and Hubbard aren't too shabby either, but from my two cents, the Rams have the edge for one reason and one reason only. Aaron Donald. The fact of the matter is is that the best defensive player in football is on the Los Angeles Rams. And you're telling me that you're not going to give that position group the edge come the big game? Sorry. I'm just not buying it. And that's not a knock on the Bengals' front seven. I mean... They've been playing exponentially well in the postseason, particularly in the second half of that Kansas City game. But Aaron Donald clearly puts the Rams over the hump.
1: Yeah, I think you also have to look at Vaughn Miller, too. Vaughn Miller was probably not working on the Broncos because every every offensive line, every offensive coordinator was honing in on him. Now every offensive coordinator is triple-teaming Aaron Donald, which gives Vaughn Miller his ones. If you look at Von Miller, well, then you leave Aaron Donald with the double team. And he could he could break a double team as easy as anybody in the NFL. And, I mean, I think the weakness for the Rams, though, is their linebacking core. Oh, not, yeah. not in the pass rush game, but in the rush defense. You can run on the Rams. You know, that, that's what my dad always says. You can run on the Rams. That's why San Francisco keeps beating them. You can run on them. Um, so I think if the Bengals have the edge, it's going to have to start from that running game, and they are going to have to run it. Joe Burrow, you can't tell me Zach Taylor wants Joe Burrow throwing 40, 45 times with his offensive line. It's going to be a running running attack led by Joe Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan on third downs. I, I I, think the Bengals have the edge in the rushing attack, but overall front seven Rams easily take it, 100%.
0: Absolutely. Now, moving back in the defense to the secondary, I am – Both these teams have pretty good units. For the Rams, Jalen Ramsey is obviously the first name that comes to mind. As well as Eric Weddle coming out of retirement just for one last ride in the postseason. That is ridiculous in my opinion. And then the Bengals, Jesse Bates, Mike Hilton, Eli Apple, one of the most maligned players in the postseason currently. Awuzie. Awuzie too, make up that unit. I'm going to be honest, I think it's pretty even here.
1: I think it is um I think Jalen Ramsey I'm not too sure if McVay is going to have have Jalen Ramsey shadow Jamar Chase um I thought they were going to have Ramsey shadow Mike Evans and it really wasn't the case you know every single time Um, Ramsey wasn't on his side so I think it's going to come down to the Rams safeties and their corners to see if they can you know Get Joe Joe Burrow off his game, and I think the Bengals they can contend on defense. I mean, they, I mean, you saw the second half against Kansas City; they they shut him down. It's not all you want they about did. Patrick Mahomes playing safe or scared, of the Chiefs blowing that. You got to give credit to the Bengals here.
0: Absolutely, and you know I'm going to give the slight edge to the Bengals solely based off of the fact that I think they have more overall. They have a, they're a little more balanced. They. L.A. feels a little top-heavy with Ramsey, which is why I'm leaning the Bengals, but that being said, the play that Mike Hilton made in that uh, pinging off Ryan Tannehill, don't get me wrong, Tannehill was horrible. That was a fantastic play by Mike Hilton. And the fact that that secondary completely shut down one of the best offenses we have ever seen in the game of football in that second half. I mean, you talk about Mahomes alone is tough enough, but then you throw in Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Miko Hardman. The Bengals. It's
1: incredible how, how, the, how they have a putter. I don't know how people stop them. No. I ask myself that every single game.
0: And not only did Cincinnati stop them, they just got to shut them down. So shut them down. I give the edge to the Bengals. Slight edge, but I give it to them. All I right, agree. we move into perhaps the most obvious position group to break down, the offensive line. I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. The stats back it up. Bengals o line gave up nine sacks against the Titans. Cincinnati had no business winning that game. I think Tennessee lost it more than Cincinnati won it, but...
1: Same thing with Kansas City. I I think Kansas City lost it more than Cincinnati
0: won. I disagree a little bit on that one, but... You know, that's what happens during miracle playoff runs. You find the most ridiculous ways to win.
1: I mean, hey, you win, right? You won your game. Yeah, exactly. Now
0: you're in the Super Bowl. Now they're in the Super Bowl, but... I mean the Rams' O line is just straight up better, no questions asked.
1: Oh yeah, the Rams always had a good O line too. Yeah, one hundred percent. Rob and Holstein, Andrew Whitworth. Old man Andrew Whitworth. Yeah, old man Andrew Whitworth too. It's it's nice to see him in the Super Bowl though. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And that's another big storyline. Kanda, a Wiley vet, get his ring and potentially his last run in the National Football League. All right, moving into skill positions. A lot to digest here. Starting with Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, Samajay Piran, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and CJ Uzama, who I believe is trending towards playing. For the Rams, Sony Michelle, Cam Akers, Cooper Cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. So two very, very, very stacked groups. Who has the edge?
1: I I think you said it. I'll take the latter. I'll take the Rams. Um, I think Tyler Higbee, don't be surprised if Tyler Higbee surprises in this game. He is so key to that offense. The play-action attack really runs through him and Cooper Cup. I think OBJ gives him another weapon. Say all you want about his off-the-field antics. OBJ is still a fantastic receiver. Elite wide receiver. It it sucks what happened to him in Cleveland. The dysfunction really got to him. But with the Rams, with their culture, OBJ is Basically a wide receiver one, posing as a wide receiver two with the Rams. Um, I like the running back core for the Rams. Sony Michelle, Cam Akers. Sony Michelle going to get the goal line touches. Daryl Henderson's back. You know, yeah. um, you know. And I for the Bengals, it's really going to come down once again. Can T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd step up? That, that's what it's going to come down to. And then I trust OBJ stepping up more than T. U. or Tyler.
0: Yeah. So I'll start with Cincinnati. In terms of running backs, I think they have the edge. I think Joe Mixon is pr- going to be called upon heavily to run against the Rams. Like Mixon we talked about earlier. Number one. Yeah. I think, and he's just better than Cam Akers or Sony Michelle. By the way, Cam Akers coming back from an Achilles injury within like six months is absolutely remarkable. I don't know how. how. How, how, I I'm at a loss for words as to how he came back from such a serious injury so stinking quickly. Oh, yeah. I second that, my friend. <laughs> All right, moving on, though. The tight ends, Higby versus Uzama. I give the slight edge to Higby because he's been a little more relevant for a little while longer, if you know what I mean. And wide receivers, I think Cincinnati's depth is overall better. I mean, I in terms of like one, two, three, I think overall Cincinnati's better. But the fact of the matter is, is that Los Angeles has far and away the best skill position player in this game, and his name is Cooper Cup and you take into the fact that Robert Woods isn't even playing in this game, that shows you how just how versatile the Rams as a whole are. But Cooper Cup is on a whole nother level. I mean, we talked about it earlier. His historical season, he came this close to breaking Calvin Johnson's record. What more is there to say about him? So, I'll give the edge to the Rams here, just like you. But, it is very tight-knit, is what I'll say. And with that... One last thing before we get into our predictions: the quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford. It's hard to pick someone, but I'm going to make you do it.
1: Why? Why are you making me do this? <laughs> um, and this is tough. It is. Who, who has the edge between Stafford and Joe Burrow? I would take Matthew Stafford. I I would take Matt and. What it comes down to for me is the experience. Matthew Stafford, really hasn't been in the Super Bowl, even past the first round of the playoffs, the wild card round. He has the experience of a bet. And I think him and Sean McVay can get the job done against the Bengals defense more. Um, you know, don't be surprised if, you know, Joe Burrow doesn't really throw 30 passes in this game. I, I think the Bengals are really going to try and run the ball and establish the run, which would mean Joe Burrow will probably throw less than 250, 240 yards. And it's already a tough Rams defense, but now with Aaron Donald and Von Miller bearing down on you, in this game in particular, i take Matthew Stafford.
0: Why do we have to pick? I, I'm mad at myself <laughs> You asked the question, Brian. I'm mad at myself now, but... The big game experience is what I'm thinking about. Joe Burrow has played in the national championship game. Prior to this season, Matthew Stafford had not won a playoff game. As much as you want to blame that on his organization, that's all fair. But he still had never played in a playoff game. Or in a meaningful playoff game. That in mind, Stafford has far more experience at the NFL. He's wiser. He doesn't have as much time as Burrow has left. There could be that extra drive to his game on Sunday that we just simply may not see out of Joe Burrow because, you know, he's still 24-ish, got plenty of time left in this league, and probably only going to get better. So, but with that in mind, I think the oh-so-slight edge... I'm going to give to Burrow just because I think he's a better scrambler. And we're living in an era of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, being able to pick up yards on the ground. I just think Joe Burrow is more productive at doing that than Matthew Stafford is. And that's what has me giving him the edge literally by the slimmest of margins. It could not be any closer in my opinion.
1: I think that that's a fair pick. Um, you know, I think the knock with Stafford is he's a gunslinger. He has been very reckless this year. Uh, he's thrown 17 interceptions in the regular season. I don't know how many he's thrown in the playoffs, but he's also thrown 41 touchdowns. And I was I was shocked by it. My dad said, "Oh yeah, Matthew Stafford's gonna throw 40 touchdowns." I'm like, "What? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> so, I I think the knock on Stafford is his scramble ability for one, but I think it's his decision making. Um, you know, he, he 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 has a tendency to force the ball. And I mean, when you have Cooper Cup and OBJ, you know. The window, even the slightest of windows, you know, are massive with them. So in decision making, I think I would give the edge to Burrow, but overall, it's Matthew Stafford. He's the he's the guy.
0: All right, well, we've done that. There's one thing left to do. Anthony, let's lay it all out on the line. Super Bowl Fifty Six, six thirty p.m. Eastern Time Sunday on CBS. Excuse me, NBC. Possibly the final game we see of Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth together. By the way, crying in the club right now, (laughs) Super Bowl halftime show, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Snoop D-O-double-G, Kendrick Lamar, National Anthem being sung by someone named Mickey Hadley, I think her name is. Uh, I know her first name is Mickey. I don't know the exact name. I'm Googling her right now to get clarification on it.
1: Mickey Hadley sounds familiar. I
0: don't know. My parents would probably know her. Okay. Okay. Apparently. I'm trying to figure it out. Who is seeing the national anthem? the Super Bowl 2022. Mickey Guyton. Why did I think Hadley of all places? Mickey Guyton. I don't know who that is. Mickey Guyton. Seeing the national anthem. So. Who wins? What's the score? Who's the MVP? (sighs) This is
1: tough. And everyone's picking the Rams. And I'm going to follow suit. I'm taking the Rams in a very, very close game. Give me the Rams 23 20. I think the winner of this game is probably going to score twenty three less twenty-three to twenty-seven points. Um, it, it's going to be an extremely close game. It's going to be a fun game. You know, say all you want about the Rams talent or the Bengals underdogs. This is going to be a close game. And I'll take the Rams. 23-20, somewhere around there. I think the winner gets 23 to 27. As far as MVP goes, I think you ain't winning this game without Matthew Stafford. I think the Bengals are going to do everything they can to shut down Cooper Cup, and largely the 49ers did. Uh, you know, I think the Bengals are going to do everything they can to shut him down, and that's going to divvy up the yards between Van Jefferson and all the Rams weapons. Uh, so. I think Matthew Stafford gets it done. He's the MVP. Give me the Rams, 23-20. I'll take the under, under 48. Ooh.
0: Okay, so when I look at this game, I think to myself, the Rams should win, right? I mean, they're playing in front of their home crowd. They have the more well-rounded roster. They probably have the better coach. All the sides are pointing towards the Rams winning this game. That is why the Bengals are going to win this game. This NFL postseason has been so ridiculous that it's almost hard to not predict something unexpected. And, you know, you know what the Cincinnati Bengals are giving me? They're giving me 2019 Washington Nationals vibes, as well as 2021 Atlanta Braves vibes, as well as 2017 Philadelphia Eagles vibes. Those teams had no business being in their respective Super Bowl slash World Series. That's why you pick them to win. Team of destiny is the word I'm looking for. Yep. I am calling the score to be 38-34 to 34 in favor of the Bengals. And I'm calling for Joe Schiefsy to win MVP. Yeah,
1: if the Bengals are winning. I think I think Joe Schiefsy is definitely
0: absolutely without definitely question. Win. Well, Anthony, that does it. It has been it's been awesome having you on, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Let's run it back sometime.
1: All righty, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got a great show.
0: Thank you for Anthony Vasquez. I'm Liam Griffin. Follow us on Instagram at Full Court Pest Podcast and on Twitter at Full CP Podcast. That's F U L L C P Podcast. And if you want to be in Anthony's chair, get in contact with me. We'll make it happen. Oh, yeah. Next week, we will be back talking about the Super Bowl, hopefully talking about some good news on the MLB front, and we'll break down everything college basketball, NBA. We'll see you then. It's going to be awesome.